Hello, my friends, my family, my community, my tribe. Welcome to the Hippie Moms Podcast. Welcome. So glad you're here, as always. Thank you for pushing play. Today, I want to do a podcast about, and a podcast I'm super inspired to do. I've actually had some nudges and um, some downloads really coming through to share this information about co-sleeping and attachment parenting. And I'm going to give a little bit of my story uh, with my first child because I think it was really relevant. And what my hope is, what I truly want to do is help moms, new moms that um, are thinking about having children, are that have babies, that are kind of in that that time of their life where they're just they're so inundated with so much information and advice um, that they don't know what to do. And my hope is in sharing my story and my experience, what I've learned is to help transform that experience of what they're going through now into them empowering themselves um, and really stepping into their power because that's what it's about. And one of the things that um, I think is so funny and you hear all the time is like, you know, kids do not come with instruction manuals. They don't. They don't come with instruction manuals. Um, It really, you know, as a new mom, um, personally for me, it was terrifying. Um, So my son, my eldest now is 10 years old, 10 and a half, which blows my mind. And they always tell you, it goes by so fast. And you know, when you have this new baby, you want to punch people in the face and say that. Even when they're toddlers, sometimes when they're, you know, teenagers, you're like, yeah, I wish it would go faster. Um, but the days are long, the years are short, truly um, is the truth. And, you know, what my mission in creating hippie moms or allowing hippie moms to be created through me and in doing this work is to bring us home. Like we've got to come home. We this The pendulum in this modern day and quote unquote traditional um, healthcare, which is actually not traditional. It's modern and it's it's stupid. Um, it is not based on what I believe true science um, and does not take at all the spiritual aspect of the human being. And I do not believe you can separate science and spirituality. Like they are one in one in the same. And we're realizing that more as we go into the quantum fields. But let's stay on track, Beck. Okay. Um, yes, I just talked to myself in third person. What I really hope to do is to bring us home. And I've made my way home. I'm still making my way home. And being home is, and what I mean by that is being so strong and confident in who you are that you do not need to seek outside of you for anything, for validation, for advice. You know, there, of course, we need connection. We need to be with people, but we do not, you know, we must learn to live in our own skin and truly embrace and embody who we're meant to be. And as mothers, we are given this extremely important opportunity to raise the next generation of humans that are going to inhabit this earth and change the way the planet is going. Um, Because if you watch the news, which I highly recommend not to do, um, because I truly believe it's all lies and bullshit, Um, or if you just talk to your neighbors or, you know, you just kind of are exposed, you kind of get this feeling 
that the world is going in the wrong direction? I don't believe it is. I believe there's a huge consciousness shift and an awakening happening. Um, and I truly have hope uh, for the future. I used to not. I used to not have hope. But now I do. And my hope is to give you hope. And But really, truly, stop looking outside of yourself. And this is going to be so important um, as a foundation as I move through this podcast on co-sleeping and attachment parenting. Um, I wish I had this information when I was, uh, when I just gave birth. Now, I gave birth to my son September 7th, 2010, almost one year after I was married. Um, We got pregnant about three months after. I was so, so in such deep gratitude that I was able to get pregnant. I had a lot of friends that were having a lot of hard, very hard time getting pregnant. Um, which actually one in five now, I think couples have uh, infertility issues. Um, I'm not going to talk about that because that's a whole other podcast, but I was, I I really thought I was going to have fertility issues because I have so many of my friends were having problems. Um, I was ecstatic like any new mother would be. My child was going to be so great, such a great baby. And I would spend days just um, daydreaming about him and thinking about him and thinking about how my life was changed. Um, He was breech and I did everything except manual manipulation to move him into position. Um, I did chiropractic work. I did acupuncture. I was doing hypnobirthing anyway because that was my plan to do a hypnobirth. Um, But he decided not to move, you guys. And you know what? I just had an innate feeling that the the manipulation wasn't um, wasn't going to work. Uh, although my doctor was really pushing for it. She pushed for a lot of things that I didn't want. Um, and that can be in a whole other podcast is how effed up our system is for pregnancy. I can't even get started on that because it really makes me angry. I haven't processed. I've really tried to process kind of my trauma, my birth traumas. Um, but I don't want to share a lot of that because a lot of times that can make other women who might be pregnant start to think about how their pregnancy could go wrong. And really thoughts are so powerful. You really want to just focus on the here and now and truly envisioning your beautiful pregnancy. Okay. So with that, I had a C-section and, um, it was kind of traumatic. It was pretty traumatic and I was in the hospital for two days and, you know, I saw the, watch the, sh- you know, don't shake your baby video and went through this whole process and finally got home with my baby. And I knew right away that I was going to breastfeed. That was like not even a question. And thankfully he latched on right away and I never had issues with breastfeeding. Thank God I had a lactation consultant. You know, I worked with some people and they're like, you know what? It looks like everything's good. The latch is good. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. I'm so happy. At least one thing's going right, right? I didn't want the C-section, but that's not how life works. So, um, I had a little side bassinet for him. I had a crib, a whole room, and I thought, okay, you know, at the first we'll, we'll breastfeed and then eventually he'll start sleeping in his own bed, you know, cause that mom's got to sleep. And about two months later, um, he was still sleeping with me and my husband was, you know, kind of, he, we were both not on this journey. So, and everyone was telling us, well, if you let him sleep in the bed, he's going to get spoiled or, you know, you're going to, you can roll over on him and hurt him and all these things. Okay. It was so ridiculous. 
And I remember at one point, my son was having a lot of digestive issues. He was born, um, I think, two to three weeks early. Um, I really believe he needed to incubate a couple more weeks, but he came when he came because that's when the doctor was ready to take him out of me and pull him from my womb, uh, very violently, by the way. And he started having these all digestive issues. And I will tell you, it was horrible, like horrible. He was, um, I mean, just gut-wrenching, like screaming. And I would feed him and then he would scream and then he would go back to the boob. And I mean, this kid was attached to me 24-7. Okay. I kind of went a little crazy in the beginning because I really didn't have the support. My mom stayed for a week. She wasn't living in the same state as I was. And, you know, everyone else goes about their day like, oh, yeah, you have a baby. Here's some meals. Here's all this. And then bye. Because we're not raised in a village anymore. We're not raising our children in a village anymore. We are by ourselves. We're alone. Um, and I really do believe if we want to sustain humanity, we have to change that. Uh, we really have to move back to being in a community and being together and helping each other raise each other's children because we're not meant to do it alone. So as my son was having these digestive issues, I went to my pediatrician and um, I asked him, I'm like, well, you know, what do I need to do? What is it? And he goes, you know, it just sounds like to me, you should probably s switch to formula. And I could not believe it, you guys. I could not believe this pediatrician who is so unhealthy himself, who's never had a fucking baby himself. You know, maybe he's had children's, but he's never birthed a child. Um, and he was giving me this advice and I never went back to him. I just knew innately. I'm like, these doctors, even the doctor that gave birth to my son, there was something off. They were so brainwashed in this, um, in this medical, you know, healthcare system that's so broken. I didn't really realize the extent back then, but, uh, my mommy gut, man, your mommy gut, I'm going to tell you what, ladies, your mommy gut is everything, everything. Don't question it. It fucking knows. So I went home I, and um, never, never went back to the pediatrician and I just continued on. And then I started Googling like, okay, here are the signs, the symptoms. Um, and I scrolled, I think on the fourth page, I found something about dairy, um, dairy, gluten, eggs, corn, soy um, are, could actually be the cause of these issues. And I didn't realize that what I ate actually affects my baby. How ridiculous is that? I really didn't know. I really thought that it kind of wasn't all connected, but it is now that I, I know that obviously, but at that point I didn't. And so that like blew my mind, like literally opened me up and I started changing my diet and my son got better. Now, what is this coming back to co-sleeping co and attachment parenting? Well, it has a lot to do with it actually, because the world does not support attachment parenting because we don't have support. It is, it's harder in, in this world now to, to parent in a way that is so nurturing and nourishing to our babies um, because it's all up to us. Now, thankfully, I had a very supportive husband. I still have a very supportive husband. He's very supportive. Um, and, you know, he's all about just wanting me to be happy, happy wife, happy life. There, there's something to that, my friends. And you know, throughout this journey, he definitely questioned what I wanted to do too, because we've all been conditioned. You know, even my mom was like, well, maybe you should look at formula. I mean, the pediatrician said that, you know, just like, 
other people I knew about vaccines. Well, the doctor says it, so it has to be it. It's like we put these doctors on a pedestal. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. They are not smarter about your health than you are. You know you. You know you. You know your baby. And it's like, I think I've seen so many times where I have and other mothers around me have completely given their power away to doctors because we think that they know. And I'm, and maybe you're sitting here like, well, they do know. <clears throat> well, do they? Do they really know what's best for you and your baby? I don't think they do. I think they can guide us. And what we need to look for is a partner in our health, not an authoritative figure that's going to tell us what to do. So with that, um, I continued co-sleeping for a very long time. And I cannot tell you how many people are like, you need to get that baby out of your bed. You need to get the baby out of your bed. Stop me. Oh my God. I wanted to tell them to shut the fuck up. I wanted to punch people in the face. Now, <clears throat> I'm in a different place now. But when you are a new mother, you are fierce. You are like mama bear. And I just couldn't, couldn't imagine. Even some of my friends who were having babies at the same time decided not to breastfeed and told me how I shouldn't be breastfeeding because they were going out. They were partying while their parents were taking care of their babies. <clears throat> to me, this was so weird. Now, <clears throat> I'm not judging here. Okay, I'm making an observation. That path was not the path for me. If that's the path for you, own it. Own that path, okay? This is not judgment, but we have to own our path and not judge other mothers how they decide to raise their babies. But if you're listening to this, most likely your call, your gut is telling you that co-sleeping and attachment parenting is the way. Now, what is co-sleeping and what is attachment parenting? So co-sleeping is bed sharing. It's literally having that baby in your bed constantly. And um, was it hard? Yes. Was it very hard? Yes. However, it was the most beautiful, rewarding thing in my entire life. Um, there are so many benefits to, uh, to co-sleeping. And um, a lot of them, there's this beautiful post that I was reading. Um, and <clears throat> it talked about all of the benefits of co-sleeping. And I'm going to tell you right now that I see this in my children. Both of my boys are 8 and 10 now. And before I go into that about co-sleeping, attachment parenting includes co-sleeping, but it also is attachment parenting is always having the baby with you. It's not about, I mean, it's really providing that child to be with its mother. It's life giving life force, right? That's what we are to these children. We're their life. And it's providing them that constant comfort. It's not allowing the baby to cry for long periods of time. Now, there were times where I was going to the bathroom and the baby was crying. But there was never where I, I let the baby cry. There were moments where he had to cry so I wouldn't hurt him. Right? You get to that point where you're exhausted, you're tired, you're fatigued, you feel unsupported, you're hormonal, you're a fucking mess. I mean, that you're going to be a mess if you're new to You're going to embrace the fucking mess. It passes. Okay. I promise it passes. And we've got to ask for support. We've got to ask for help. I was not good at that. I wish I asked for more help. I didn't. And I didn't have a lot of support or a lot of people to ask, but the people I, I could ask, I didn't. And I wish I did. I really wish I did. So we need to kind of get out of our own ways in a way in order to allow people to help us. Um, because I'm going to tell you most people, they want to help. 
and they want some of that baby. You know what I mean? So it's really about being there for the child to really create the secure environment. And why do we want to do this? Well, one, it's how we've always raised children up until maybe a hundred years ago until man, the male got into the birthing aspect (laughs) who totally fucked it up. Now it's all about medical procedures and interventions and it's really about money. If you have not seen the documentary by Ricky Lake, it's an old one. Uh, It's called The Business of Being Born. It's really fascinating and still relevant, but it's all about how they make money off of birthing rather than providing a safe place and a safe um, foundation for the mother to have a child. It's not about your safety or your comfort. Um, And maybe it is quote unquote safety, but it's all about how many drugs can I give them um, and how many interventions can I get in so we can charge the insurance company. That's really what it's about. In both of my birthing experiences, I had those experiences. It was not about my health or the baby's health. Of course, they wanted to keep us alive. That's our job. But it was all about how can we bill more. And this is why it's so important to research and to have these conversations with other mothers so that we can learn from them. Um, because it is that's how we've always learned. And we've, we've co-slept and attachment parent, parented for eons of time. It's just until recently you know, that humans have kind of diverted into another path of, of birthing and raising children differently. And, and I really do believe you can see the fruits of that just by the statistics, right? I read something so effing crazy, my friends, that the number of young children prescribed antidepressant, antidepressants, young children from the age of 5 to 12, has risen by 41% since 2015. And they're mostly males. How crazy is that? Now, why do I think that is? Well, there's a lot of reasons. I think there's a lot of chemicals in our food that disrupt our, um, you know, our, our signals in our body um, that disrupt our guts where 80% of our serotonin, that happy, good feeling chemical is made. Um, and also how we're raised. You know, babies are left to cry. That is traumatic to leave a baby in their crib and let them cry for extended period of time, that is trauma that is going to be sunk into their subconscious and they're going to feel abandonment and that's going to be projected in their life experience unless it's healed. And most of us have had very traumatic births and upbringings. I know I had a twin brother. I was left in my crib to cry. I And I still deal with abandonment issues. Now, not to say that can be beautiful in a sense for me to heal through and learn from, okay? So even if you're listening to this and maybe you did the cry it out method, this isn't about feeling shame at all, but this is about educating moms, new mothers on a, on a way to raise children that is that feels intuitively right for you. And this is the most beautiful thing is, and I, I'm so proud of myself as a young mother and not necessarily knowing about holistic living. I'd had no idea that what a naturopath was. I had no idea what any of these things were. Um, that I listened to my gut when my pediatrician said, I want you to go off formula and we need to give these all these vaccines. I was just like, mm, my gut, I felt sick to my stomach, my throat clenched up. And it was my body. It was my spirit. It was my soul. It was my <clears throat> intuition 
speaking to me, no, listen, wake up. And I followed a lot of it. I didn't follow all of it, but I learned from that too. And that's what we do. We learn when we don't follow our gut, right? <laughs> How many times have you not followed your gut? And you're like, ooh, right. Yeah, next time I'm going to follow, follow those messages. So with that said, it was so beautiful to follow that. And eventually, you know, I made changes uh, with my son. I removed gluten. I removed dairy, uh, eggs, corn, soy. I basically ate chicken and rice and vegetables. I felt like that was the only thing I was eating. And um, he healed quickly. It was like within a week or two. He was better. He was sleeping better. He wasn't in pain. It was really amazing. And that just, that was just kind of a sign for me. Like, wow, I'm so powerful if I just follow you know, where I'm being led rather than being diverted on this horrible um, sick care path. And so what I really want to do is to encourage you as a mother now, wherever you are in your motherhood, maybe your grandmother, maybe your new mother, is you know what you need. There is no one outside of you that knows you better than you. And if we just will listen and take the courage to follow the messages, we will take the path of least resistance. It might not feel it. might not feel like it at first. It might feel like the, the hardest thing to do, especially if you have people around you that don't support your lifestyle, that are conditioned in the ways of the world, in the old ways, right? And we have to honor them. That's their path. We don't need to get caught up in their drama we just say, no, that's just, that's not what I'm going to do, but thanks anyway. I can't tell you how many times I was judged that my child slept in the bed with me. It felt like the most natural thing. But people would tell me, oh, they're going to be sleeping in your bed till like 15. You know what, guys? They don't sleep in my bed. They do not. They sleep in their own bed. They actually walk to their beds and put themselves to sleep. Now, were they in our beds? They're in our beds for a long time. We co- we co-slept together for a very long time. When they got a little bit too big, my husband would carry them into their beds, and sometimes they would come back. But I loved it. I loved snuggling those babies. I loved it. And let me tell you, they're eight and ten now. They still snuggle with me, but they don't want to sleep with me, and I don't want them to sleep with me either because I sleep a lot better without them. But our relationship, our closeness. I know was created because of the foundation of co-sleeping and the attachment parenting. So I really want to talk about some of the major benefits of, of co-sleeping and attachment parenting because um, there is so much that has been shown and, and proved through this type of methods, through the way of naturally parenting rather than these ways of, um, of, you know, making sure the baby's in their bed by two months old and sleeping and crying it out. Now, again, some people have to do this. This is the way of the world. This is their life. And I am, again, not, there's no judgment, but I'm sharing what I truly believe to be the way of parenting. Okay. So the biggest thing that co-sleeping and attachment parenting encourages is independence. Because most people think that co-sleeping is going to create this like clingy, dependent children, but research has actually proved the opposite. And children who share beds with their parents actually become independent earlier 
and need less of these, less of those like transitional objects like binkies or blinkies or um, whatever, you know, stuffed animals because they don't, ex- they don't experience separation anxiety, right? Um, the author of Good Nights, Dr. Jake Gordon says, when a child routinely goes to sleep in the presence of an adult or with an adult holding her, it's extremely rare to find thumb sucking or attachment to security objects. So author of Good Nights, The Happy Parents Guide to the Family Bed. Um, so that's going to be Dr. Jay Gordon if you want to check it out. I'll make sure that that link is in the show notes if you want to read it. The second big thing it does is it builds self-esteem. And this is, um, they've shown that children have grown up in a family bed, have increased self-esteem, experienced less behavioral problems, and are less prone to peer pressure. They actually also report more happiness and general satisfaction with life. They're also less likely to suffer from stress disorders than children who did not share sleep with their beds. Isn't that interesting? Or share sleep with their parents. Um, It also promotes physical and mental well-being. So not only psychological benefits, but babies who co-sleep appear to thrive better. So uh, Dr. William Sears, I'm sure everyone is, has heard of him. He is a renowned parenting expert. And he explains it over the, quote, over the past 30 years of observing sleep-sharing families in our pediatric practice, we have noticed one medical benefit that stands out. These babies thrive. Thriving means not only getting bigger, but also growing to your full potential emotionally, physically, and intellectually. Perhaps it's the extra touch that stimulates development or perhaps the extra feeding. Yes, sleep sharing infants breastfeed more than often solo sleepers do. In quote. Isn't that interesting? So I truly find this to be so fascinating. Now I'm going to just tell you one, my kids are extremely independent. They are happy for the most part. I mean, they're eight and 10 year old boys, right? But they have like you know, have we had behavioral issues? Of course, of course. Your kids are always going to have quote unquote behavioral issues, um, but we don't have any major ones, you know, that we need to go see someone for. Um, and they're not very stressed. I mean, and I went to the extreme of attachment co-sleeping, you guys. I mean, I was with these kids all the time. I mean, I did get out and had some family vacations and they were held and cared for by people that loved them. Um, but they're thriving. So can you have kids that co-sleep and and attachment parenting not thrive? Of course, of course. But the research is showing that bed sharing and attachment parenting is going to help our children thrive and they're going to have all these other benefits, you know, less increased self-esteem, less behavioral issues. Another thing that they've shown that co-sleeping attachment parenting does is it reduces the risk of stress disorder and SIDS. So there's a Harvard psychiatrist, Michael Commons, and he discovered that babies who sleep alone are at an increased risk for SIDS and stress disorder. Co-sleeping babies sleep in psychological harmony with their mothers. The proximity of the mother and infant actually regulates the infant's breathing, sleep state, arousal patterns, heart rates, and body temperature. Babies who are left to cry alone experience elevated levels of stress hormone, cortisol, which causes damage to the developing brain. Quote, it makes you more prone to the effects of stress, 
more prone to illness, including mental illness, and makes it harder to recover from illness, explains Commons. That's kind of big. Um, one of the things I really realized is when my kids were sick when they were young, I would literally breastfeed them nonstop and hold them close whenever they had fevers because when we hold babies with fevers on our skin to skin, it regulates their body temperature. My kids 8 and 10, if they have a, a fever, guess what I do? I sleep with them. And when they're asleep, I, I put my belly in their back. I spoon them and I, and I, and you know, they feel so hot like a heater and I wrap them in my body and literally within an hour, their fever dissipates. It's fucking magical. Our bodies are so powerful. They are portals to this incredible, magical energy that we have. Um, but we don't really give it, give our body, these universes we live in, the credit and the awe and the reverence that it, that it deserves. And as a mother with a baby, we do so much. It helps regulate infant's breathing, sleep state, arousal patterns, heart rates, body temperature. Like mothers and babies are meant to be together because the baby needs, right, this ebb and flow of the mother's regulation. And our bodies are, even our breast milk will create antibodies to help the baby if they're sick. Like, it's so cool. It's so amazing. Why aren't we talking more about this, right? One of the biggest things that I found with co-sleeping and attachment parenting is it's easier for nursing moms. Like, if you're nursing and you co-sleep with your baby, you're going to feel better rested. I did. I tried to do the whole like putting him in the side basket. No, he wanted to be with me. I slept so much better because one, you don't have to leave the bed to nurse and your sleep patterns are less disturbed. And then what I did is I felt more alert and focused during the daytime. Now, now did I get that my eight, nine hours of sleep? No, you're still going to be sleep deprived. That's just part of it. But thankfully you recover from that. And eventually, like right now, I'm sleeping seven, eight hours straight. It's beautiful. And my kids are sleeping nine to 11 hours, depending on the night. Straight. Boom. The last thing that I want to share about this um, attachment parenting and co-sleeping is it truly promotes family closeness. You know, um, it was, it's been shown that children raised in the family Bed lifestyle, develop close bonds with their family, and report more feelings of connectedness and happiness than children who sleep alone. Sleeping together truly provides more hours in each day for family members to connect and share loving, nurturing moments under the sweet breath of sleep. Um, I'm going to share the the actual post um, that I'm getting a lot of this inspiration from in this podcast notes so that you have it, so that you can um, follow it. But that's one of the most beautiful things that ever is like those sweet moments at night and in the morning, like the pillow talk, the just snuggling, the it's so intimate, so beautiful. Um, and it's amazing. Um, the biggest thing I know that a lot of men have issues or husbands is they don't get their, right? They don't get the sex. Um, and when you're nursing, like that's the last fucking thing you want to do. At least I did. I'm like, get away from me. Don't touch me. I got my boobs are full of milk. They're not for you. That's going to pass. You know, that's a stage. And um, I hope more husbands are, can be more uh, forward thinkers and understand. And, and you know what? And we would just make time. We would make time on it. Like when the baby napped, you know, during the weekends, like then when I was in the mood, 
But that's the thing too, when you're, when you're giving, 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 that's the last thing you want to do. And so, you know, that's something that we need to open up about the communication on, because I think that is a huge stress in relationships. You know, the man isn't getting it. Um, and the baby, you know, the mom's always with the baby. And I think there was definitely a little bit of jealousy issues, you know, with Scott when Rylan first came, that's my, my eldest, because that was my attention went to, it used to be him. And now it's like, "Mm, you're not number one anymore. This baby's numero uno. So, um, that is one of the things that co-sleeping a lot of men I find don't necessarily support, but if you look at the research and you want happy healthy, thriving children, then, um, you know, just show them the research, you know, share them, share this podcast with them. And then you two communicate and find out when that, you know, intimacy between you can, can blossom. You know, it's, it's about what works for you. Um, not necessarily what works for everyone else. So it's going to be bio-individual and unique to everyone. So I really hope that, this podcast did a couple of things. One is it reminds us of the power our intuition has and how ingrained it is to raise children this way. It is, from what I believe, I truly believe it is like mother nature in action. And through our gut instincts and through the messages in our body, we're being led to live a certain way and to raise our children a certain way because it is the best way for them. Again, you have to make the best choices for you and your family. It's different if you're a stay-at-home mom versus going back to work mom, right? It's different if you have a lot of family to support you or you don't have a lot of family. So this isn't a one-size-fits-all. And that's one thing I really want to stress here is when you're a new mother and you're seeking advice, be so careful of what you ingest, because a lot of this advice that I that I looked at was just bullshit. And this is why. I mean, I had to go to Baby Center. Baby Center, which is like, I mean, anti, you know, natural mothering and holistic way of, of living uh, to get my answers. And then, so that's why Hippie Moms on Facebook, it's a group of 5,000 women, uh, we talk about these things. Anything about clean living and um, and breastfeeding and, you know, raising children this way. This is, this is why the community was created because I didn't have moms to go to. And that's what you need. You need mothers that have done it. And what I love about it is you can ask a question and get all these ideas, right? All these ideas, what worked for them. And then what you got to do is you could say, Hmm, you read them and something's going to light up. Something's going to say, Ooh, that, that's a good idea. I might, I might try that. And you might try it. It might not work. Or you might try and be like, Oh, that's good, but I'm going to modify here. So you get these ideas. So when you go out to the world to get advice, be so careful. Pick and choose very carefully of what feels good. And, and always listen to your heart. Your heart and your gut will always tell you the way. And you're going to be given a piece of advice. And if you're like, Ugh, nope, not good, bye, right? Or you might get one and be like, ooh, that feels like that, feels like that could actually work. It's a lot of trial and error and a lot of grace. And a lot of times you're just going to have to be okay in the mess of it because life is fucking messy and motherhood is even messier. And so you just got to get messy, get your hands messy, get your, get, get, just get messy and be okay. 
and have so much trust in yourself and your body that you can stand in your power and be the type of mother that you're here, to, that you're meant to be because that child chose you. That child chose you to be its mom. And that's all that matters. So you are so perfect and so absolutely attuned to be a mother for that child. There's nothing else you need to do to show up, be present, and be in the experience. Because I'm going to tell you, my kids are 8 and 10, flies by. I know I hated when people told me that because it doesn't feel like it flies by. And it does. And I miss those times of that baby and the smell, the little hands and the little feet. I even miss changing diapers, right? Yeah, I know. That sounds kind of crazy. Because you're like, oh, another diaper. But it, but life is it's fleeting. It flows by so quickly. And I don't say that to make you feel better. But I say that because that's my experience. You know, 10 years later after having a child, you know, you, f- you forget the messiness. And you forget how hard it is. And now I look at my children and I see who they become. And they are so beautiful and so incredible. Not all the time, okay? We all have those sides of us that sucks, right? It's hard. But I look at them as a whole being and I'm just so grateful that I chose the path that I chose because I can see the fruits of that sacrifice and going against the grain. Okay? So trust yourself. You don't need anyone else to tell you anything. You know everything within you. You just have to trust it. Okay? All right. I hope this is helpful. I love you. I am so honored, so honored to share this experience and this insight and these downloads and this wisdom that has been able to flow through me and through my experiences to help another mother. And if we could just help one more mama feel a little bit more confident in who she is and her decisions, I'm, I, can, I can just turn off the mic and never podcast again. But that's not going to happen. So then, I guess, we will catch you on the next Hippie Moms podcast. Bye.